don't know if she's ever gonna hear this. And I don't even know if she knows that I've done that, right? Because it wasn't about her. Right. My journey is not about her. Mm-hmm. She's on her own journey, and wherever that goes, that goes. Yeah. But this is about me, you know, yeah. healing my. And I can heal my relationship with her without even her being a part of that. Yeah. Right? Welcome to Somos Padres, a podcast dedicated to the constant development of our parenting and ourselves. We are your hosts, Paulo and Yesenia. Thanks for joining us as we share our parenting experiences rooted within the context of our own life journey. In that spirit, we will also be sharing parenting information and the stories of mothers and padres out there who have embraced their own personal evolution as the greatest gift of parenthood. Here we go. Hey guys, so welcome to this week's episode of Somos Padres. I know that May is the month dedicated to celebrating our moms, but I actually wanted to talk about what do you do when you actually have a complicated relationship with your mother? Or what if you just have ways in which you were mothered that you haven't been able to heal or release? And let me say that you can have an you know a wonderful loving relationship with your mom you can revere and love and honor your mother and still have these hurts that you want to release right and sometimes those past emotions that we're still carrying they don't allow us to have an even better relationship with our moms i mean you may not even um have your mom with you she may have passed and you may still be holding on to these things And as you'll hear from our guest today, you actually don't need her to be here in order to find some peace with that and to release it. So if any of that resonated with you, um, I hope that this episode will be of service to you. Like I said, our guest this week, Dr. Renee Lemus. She's going to share how what started as an assignment for her students, for her college students, had her examining her own motherhood or the way that she was mothered from a historical context and how looking at it from that lens really helped her to heal the concept of motherhood for herself. And then that led her to um, be able to let go of past hurts that she had with her own mother. So I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. So let's get right to it. Hey guys, and welcome to our next episode at Somos Padres. I am so excited and I cannot overstate how excited I am um, to have our next guest with us. Um, It is Dr. Renee Lemus Elizalde. Uh, She's a professor at Women, Gender and Sexuality Studies at Cal State LA and Harbor College. She has a PhD in ethnic studies, but above all else, she is mom to two beautiful boys who are five and three. She is also a board member. I was about to forget. I am so <laughs> sorry. You are also a board member of the Latina Mother- Mothers Collaborative, um, which you do as your side hustle because everybody mm-hmm. has that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so she is joining us today to have this conversation that I've been wanting to have for a very long time. So welcome Thank to you. our podcast, Thanks. Dr. Renee. Lemos Thank you. Lemos. Happy to be here. Oh God, so excited. <laughs> 
So let's just jump in. I mean, I want to talk to you about a blog post that you recently did. Mm-hmm. But um, before we jump into that, I mm-hmm. want to have a conversation first or ask you this question that I ask all um, everybody that comes on the show, which is, how were you parented? We could start there. <laughs> okay. Whatever you feel comfortable with sharing. I just, I really feel like it gives a context for us to understand where you are coming from, yeah. to understand in a way how you were raised, how you were disciplined, <clears throat> how you were parented, you know, yeah. how, how you grew up. Okay. So um, I was raised in a two-parent household. Um, my parents, uh, who were high school sweethearts. Beautiful. As me and my husband are. Yay. Um, and, um, so yeah, so I had my mom and my dad and, um, you know, I always feel like I had a pretty good childhood, um, you know, was provided for, um, but in terms of, and, and I guess the way I was parented, very kind of straightforward, you know, if I did something wrong, I got in trouble. Um, and what that meant or what the consequences of that were, you know, kind of, I don't really, I don't know if I can ever put my finger on it because I was never really like grounded for anything. There was never a, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that if you do this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and even when I think about how, you know, as an adult reflecting back on what my challenges around the way I was parented was, um, it really came from, um, more of like the expectations Mm -hmm. on me as a daughter or me as a child. Um, So uh, my mom, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, she really enjoys having a clean home, a neat home, an organized home. Yeah. Um, And I think it was, it was something that was really important for her to, you know, to, and she really saw it as, um, you know, I think it was just really important for her. Yeah. We can get into later, like yes, now we'll why and all yeah. that. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so often, you know, she had these expectations for me and my brother mm-hmm. of to, you know, to, ha- to do that as well, to be cleaning, you know. Um, so especially on the weekends when we didn't have school and she worked on the weekends, mm-hmm. <clears throat> she would give us a list of chores to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's Saturday. (laughs) We didn't want to be cleaning the house all day. So we would sit around doing whatever, and then she'd call us maybe, maybe, maybe even like half an hour before she got home. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, and we'd like run around the house. Yeah, hurry up, hurry up. Doing all the stuff that we were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, she kind of knew that, kind of, I guess. Um, But I think, for me, there was always a challenge because... I was not like that. I was not, mm-hmm. I never really cared about having like a clean room. I yeah. was, I was and am a messy person. I take yeah. my clothes off and leave them and, <laughs> <laughs> and it was always like a thing. And um, so a lot of the, my memories around parenting were, there's always this word, this idea of perfectionism, mm-hmm. right? And so I remember even when I would try to clean my room, my mom would come in and be like, well, there's still this and yeah. there's still this and you didn't vacuum. And, uh-huh. and I was like, oh my God, I worked really it's hard. And so I always kind of felt like, oh, like, is it never going to be good enough? And then mm-hmm. if it's never going to be good enough, then 
why do it in the first place? Um, And I think that kind of carried over into a lot of other things even. So it wasn't like that I did something wrong and And I would get punished. punished. It was more like I felt like I never, like things that I did were never good enough. Good enough. Were never perfect. So the disapproval, she would just yeah, voice yeah, or like the disapproval. I remember one of my first semesters in um, high school, I got like straight B's, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. And her reaction was like, oh, good, but mm-hmm. why didn't you get all A's? And I was like, mm-hmm. ah. <laughs> like, and so I think it was moments like that. That's what I really remember in terms of the way I was parented, in terms of like what the expectations were on me and feeling a lot of times that for whatever I did, mm-hmm. that, I, that I still didn't meet those expectations mm-hmm. or that I didn't, you know, wasn't, I couldn't do it perfectly. Okay. You know, there's, yeah. for me, that's, that's the thing that it always comes back to is this idea of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and again, I think we'll get into talking about, like, why that mm-hmm. happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> but I think that was, yeah. And I th- in terms of my dad, <clears throat> um, we had a very good relationship. Um, our, like, challenges often came in, there was also expectation, but him not so much around, like, needing to be clean mm-hmm. but more so he was my soccer coach okay pretty much my whole childhood yeah and that's where our arguments would stem from <laughs> he could he I think he would get frustrated because he knew I could do better and I just I had a lot of uh, I didn't have a lot of confidence mm. and so he would get frustrated so we would come home from practice and we'd like having this fight all the way home yeah and then we'd get home and like walk in other directions of the house and like slam the doors like that was a <laughs> And, and so I think there was, it still came back to, there was these expectations that I never felt I could meet. Yes. And so, um, sometimes I would kind of get sad around my relationship with my dad. I was like, ah, I'm trying, I'm trying to be a good soccer player. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that I'm not, you know? Um, so yeah, I think perfectionism and expectations, that's kind of the challenges that I had in terms of parenting. But again, I was, you know, my parents provided well for me you know we had a house and um my parents sent my brother and I to 12 years of catholic school and Mm -hmm. they paid for our undergrad you know education so you know they did a lot of great things for us and I think that's you know that's really important to acknowledge in terms of how I was parented yeah right I was parented where there was a lot of emphasis on getting an education and those are great things yeah um but then you know the challenges were that created this higher expectation of us, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. I, I love that. Um, it gives me a whole other uh, sense of where you're coming from. Mm. So I love it. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to get into your blog and how we came to be sitting <laughs> together. Yeah. I mean, first of all, <laughs> we hung out and had a bunch of tequila. Uh-huh. A couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and that's how we became fast friends. Fast friends, yes. <laughs> because of our mutual friend, Carolina Dame. Mm-hmm. Shout out. To Shout Carolina, out. Who hosted us at her place after the Latina Mothers collaborative event uh-huh. that you guys had. Um, but anyways, after that, I started following you on Instagram, <laughs> and I saw you post that you had just written a blog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, let me check out what <laughs> Renee wrote. Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, I did not even get through half of it. And I was like, oh, my God, I have been waiting <laughs> for her 
for a long time. Mm. I have been waiting to have this conversation yeah. um, because it rings so true to uh, my experience mm. in motherhood. Mm -hmm. And so I like, I didn't finish it. I just direct messaged you. I was like, hey, yeah. like I just read your blog and you need to come on yeah. the podcast. And it was so funny because I remember reading that. Like I had, I felt like I had just released it and then it was like, <laughs> Literally. hey, come be on the podcast. And I was like, and I just said yes. I didn't even think about it. I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. Um, so tell, give, give us some context, first of all, because mm -hmm. you're a professor mm -hmm. um, and how it came to be that you wrote this blog. Okay. So, um, so I teach, the class that I teach is, um, what is it called? Oh, race and gender in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> I teach so many different classes. Sometimes I forget. Okay. So race and gender in the United States. And I try to break up the class you know, in terms of like at the beginning of the semester talking about like these theoretical concepts of like what is gender and what is race. Mm -hmm. And then as I get through the semester, really looking at particular issues and then applying those concepts, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we talk about different things, including motherhood. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, on one hand, I really tried to historicize motherhood. Like, where do these notions of what motherhood is supposed to be come from, right? Mm -hmm. Like, where, they didn't just come out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Like, there's, there's history around constructing what it means to be a mom or what it means to be a mother. Anyway, so what really was happening was um, I was going to be doing an online assignment for them because I wasn't going to have an in-class in class, right? I wasn't going to have an in-person class. I had to be with my kids. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put this assignment online. And I was really, I was, I didn't even know what the assignment was going to be. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be like, okay, we're going to talk about motherhood and I'm going to do this quick introduction about, you know, the history of motherhood. And then I'm going to give them this assignment. And I just found myself like writing this mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And it just like, and I just, and I had time and space, so I kind of just let it flow, mm -hmm. and it kind of just came out of me, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, and then it ended with the assignment for them to write a letter to their mother, mm -hmm. and then, of course, I was like, okay, I should probably write a letter to my own mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, it kind of turned into to this thing, you know, there was, it was like a long introduction, and then the letter to my mom, and I was like, yeah, this is more than just an assignment, this is a blog, yeah. and I hadn't... You know, I have a blog that I probably write like twice a year. Mm -hmm. um, and usually at the beginning of the year, I like to write a blog about like my New Year's resolution. And I just hadn't got to that. So I was like, oh, this is going to be the first blog. You and me year. both. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be the first blog. And um, yeah, and I kind of just put it out there to really talk about all these things because of, I think, what I realized was this was a reflection of where I'm at in my mm -hmm. journey of motherhood, mm -hmm. you know? And I've talked about motherhood in my classes before, but I might have been in a different place with that, mm -hmm. you know? And so now I'm like, wow, this is, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect this to come out and it just kind of came out that way, you know? So, so as I come to your <laughs> blog and what I want to have as our jumping off point is that you mm -hmm. write in there, you say, I am trying to heal the concept of motherhood in my life. Mm. Love that. <laughs> First of all. Mm -hmm. What did you mean by that? Okay. So, it's about to get deep. Yeah, now. it's going to get deep. So prior to having children, I always 
was aware and recognized that my mother and I had a particular dynamic, mm -hmm. mother-daughter dynamic, that included being very... We challenged each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we would have arguments or we would have just, you know, we have similar personalities in a way and both very territorial, both very defensive. Um, and, but then it, on the other hand, we love each other so much, we want to spend as much time with each other <laughs> as possible. <laughs> You know, and I... Are you her only daughter? I'm her only daughter. Mm -hmm. I truly look to her, you know... Um, I always say we would fight, and then two seconds later she'd be like, okay, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> right. Or we would fight, and then she'd be like, oh, let's go shopping. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very, you know, but... And so it was kind of, you know, that just kind of was our dynamic, mm -hmm. you know? And then there was definitely times where it was really bad, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, can't handle it, and especially right around the time I was going to move out mm -hmm. of the house. I was like, I got to get out of here. And, um, but really where it all kind of comes to a head is when I had children. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had always had this notion of the things that I didn't like about the way I was parented. Mm -hmm. and the I way said, you were mothered. The way I was mothered. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this things, the things that I don't like, I'm not going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's always easier said than done. Yeah, and so I came to a point where I started to realize that I was doing the things that I said I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, how, how do I break out of this? How do I, you know, if I said I didn't want to do this, and you know, and then it also became, you know. Like, I want to hold on to the good things that my mom gave me and let go of the things that I didn't feel served me. But how mm -hmm. do you do that? Like, mm -hmm. you know, is it all, all or nothing thing? And what does that mean? And, and then there's the challenges of everyday parenthood. Right. You know? And so it was just kind of, I felt like I was just hitting a wall. Um, and it wasn't until um, therapy, you mm -hmm. know, and talking to somebody um, and kind of really walking through them asking me that, like, how are you parented? And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? Moving <laughs> <laughs> on. Like, what does that have to do with how I want to be a parent, you know? And then really spending a lot of time on that. And I was like, wait, we're supposed to be focusing on how I can become a better mom. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, oh. I oh, have... it's connected. Oh, right. So, and it's not just like recognizing it. Because it's easy to say like, yeah, my mom and I would have contentious moments. And it's like, but why? And I was like, oh, that is a good question. <laughs> right. So until I would, did the deep, deep work of really trying to even just look at that relationship, mm -hmm. I realized, oh, until I do that, mm -hmm. my ideas of how I want to be a mother are not going to change until I'm able to really address mm -hmm. this thing with my mom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so it's, <laughs> I realized I had to heal my relationship with my mom because I had to redefine motherhood. Right. Right. Because I think even growing up, I always thought, oh, this is what it means to be a mom. And when I get older, I have to do these things in order to be a mom. And then at some point, like, okay, I don't want to do everything like she did. 
But then what is motherhood then if it's mm-hmm. not like my mom? I don't mm-hmm. know what that looks like, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like healing our relationship, but also healing my idea of what it is to be a mom. And that maybe her idea of what it is to be a mom and my idea is different. Mm-hmm. And then I have, to, I have to kind of like make it up as I go right. along. Right. So then... When did you bring into the fold mm-hmm. this understanding of the historical context? Okay. So, um, it was, well, the historical context really always comes from my academic work, right? I have a degree in ethnic studies. I have a master's in Chicano studies, um, where central to that is really looking at the history of marginalized people. Right. right. And really diving deep into all aspects of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like on one hand, I have all this historical knowledge of like our people in general. Yeah. And then I have my history. And I think it wasn't until I was like, oh, oh, like I have to put those two together. Right. Like yeah. my mom is my mom, my grandmother, her mother are a part of this marginalized history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Then I had to be like, okay. Like, when is this happening, though, for all of you? Because, like, within the last two years. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, so my Maybe bachelor's... Maybe last year. Yeah. My bachelor's is in Chicano studies. Okay. Chicano, Chicano studies. So, mm-hmm. my, you know, we, we share. Yeah. That's my bachelor's. Yeah. And I remember sitting in class for the psycholo- psychology of Chicanos. Mm-hmm. I, I took that class. Okay. Uh-huh. So, I took this class, and the assignment was to look at, basically, look at the patterns mm. look at like do your tree yeah and look for the patterns mm. from the la you know from yeah. the generation before you yeah. to the to to your parents generation yeah to you yeah and it she was basically talking uh, the professor at the time about intergenerational trauma yeah yeah and so i understood then i understood it like it hit me hard yeah that the trauma that you do not uh, because what what ended up happening, I'll come back to finish that sentence. What ended up happening was that you could see how there were certain patterns, like let's just say alcoholism, for example. Right. You could trace it back, right, generations and generations. And what the professor said is that if you do not handle the trauma or the mm. pattern in one generation, you will pass it on to the right. next, yeah. and then it'll be up to the next generation to try and figure yeah. that out and heal that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I would always talk about like my great grandmother. So my great grandmother was a single mom. So my mom's mom's side of the family is Mm -hmm. from El Paso and they've been in El Paso since before it was part of the United States. Okay. So my great grandmother was a single mom with like six kids in the time of the depression. She could not, um, she could not afford to have a home for her kids. So she actually left my grandmother and her siblings with at a convent for several years. I always forget how many years, but it was, you know, more than, you know, a year. It was like maybe three, four years. Mm -hmm. She, my grandmother and, you know, her mom came and visited her and stuff and brought her stuff, but she couldn't afford to have a home for her kids. Mm -hmm. So my, my grandmother lived with, she would always say my, when I lived with the nuns, you know, um, and my great grandmother was a hustler, you know, she, You know, there was also, she brewed beer and sold it out of the trunk of her car. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> she read tarot cards. She was a nanny. She was, a, you know, house cleaner. She did everything, yeah. you know, and, and eventually was able to have a home. And, um, and But you can imagine the disconnection in terms of being a mother, mm-hmm. right? And she was also a nanny, like a full-time nanny to a wealthy family's kids. Yeah. You know? So, um, and my grandmother never really talks about it in that way. But again, I'm the one like putting all these puzzle pieces together. And then my grandmother was only had a third, only has a third grade education. Mm -hmm. She also had six kids. Um, so four of them were born in Texas, including my mom. My mom's the oldest. They moved over here to LA and she had to work in, you know, she didn't have a degree, nothing. So mm-hmm. she had to work in factories and sweatshops and canneries and, you know, every job she could possibly find. Um, and again, so, you know, how much time did she have to really be there for her kids when she to was mother. working? And then come to my mom, mm-hmm. who was the oldest, so therefore had to take on a lot of responsibility at a very young age. Right. You know, being almost a parent to her younger siblings. She had to contribute financially. Um, and then it's like, <laughs> now she's having her own kids. Yeah. So there was just a lot of, and, I, and it's interesting because I would, I knew that story. And I always, um, I could put it in context of this history of Mexican Americans in general. Yes, because well, that's the that's yes. the bigger yes. history that yes. you also have to yes. understand. Yes. Is the bigger history of colonization. Right. And I was always able to do that. Like I could yeah. make those connections. The connection I haven't made until recently is that how it impacted their parenting. Mm-hmm. I never thought to like I knew, okay, this is why um you know, uh, we are, you know, our econ- economic class is the way it is, right? Because yes, we're from, and, the, yeah. and the racism and the classism. Right, like, and, 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 yeah, I can, I can, the economics. I'm able to contextualize yeah. all that, but I couldn't contextualize or I didn't even think to contextualize how that, all of that impacted the way they parented, Yeah, you know, until I, you know, was, became a parent and yeah. was like, okay, I, I want to be a different kind of parent, but what did that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, that's been the journey of like, being like, oh, right. My great grandmother spent years away from her children. So mm-hmm. yeah, there must've been some issues there, right? Mm-hmm. My, my grandmother, you know, was working 24 seven, mm-hmm. right? And then put a lot of responsibility on my mom. And so my mom almost became a parent you know, at a very young age. And then I, and then, so I'm able to be like, oh, that's why. (laughs) That's why there were all these expectations on me, Mm -hmm. right? Because she had a lot of expectations put Put on on her. her. Yeah. You know, and so she was just parenting me the way she was parented and so on and so forth, right? My grandmother was parented the way she was parented. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of continue that. And so here I am with the audacity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to say I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm really forced to kind of like, okay, if I want to do something different, I, st- I have to look back at why they parented the way they did. Right. Um, and that's why I say heal that relationship because it is doing the healing of my own relationship as a daughter, 
my yeah. relationship as a mom, but also my mom is healing her relationship as a daughter and a, and a mom, right? Like we're all doing all this work at the same time. Well, we are all <laughs> called to do this work. Right, yeah. I don't know that we're all doing it. No, we're not, de- right. <laughs> and I think, Consciously yeah, doing it. Yeah, and, and so, I think, you yeah. know, so, I mean, I think that that's um, part what, what drives and inspires me to do this podcast mm-hmm. is to awaken for anyone yeah. who hasn't thought of it this way, who hasn't, like, started on this journey of trying to contextualize and understand yeah. Yeah. is to give them, like, you, you, you can do it. Yeah, it, we are all called to it. Yeah, if if, if it calls you, if you yeah. are like, yeah, I want to go down that kind of that yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah, and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but since I have you and you're mm-hmm. kind of an expert, I was wondering <laughs> if you could give our listeners, because we kind of went over it really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like just a slimmed down version mm-hmm. of what. Um, you know, colonialism mm. and all of that, how that has, how you see it as impacting our generations. Okay. Like just a snippet. Yeah, I think, and I'll, and I'll use motherhood as the sort of central like theme to explain that. Yeah, because I, I think, think, you know, you and I, we've, yeah. been to, we've, we've done Chicano studies yeah. <laughs> and you get this in there. You yeah. You just awaken to, oh my God, we have a history that we don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then the history of Mexicans coming to America. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very complex yes. colonial history. But something to pique their interest so that they know yeah. enough to be like, oh, maybe I want to do some digging yeah. on this. So, um, I mean, the story is, right, in the super watered down version, right, I always say, Columbus, right, <laughs> came and whatever he did basically opened up a path for colonization. Right. And so um, the Spanish, you know, came to Mexico or, you know, what is now Mexico, <clears throat> colonized. And we know American history, the British colonized, you know, what is now the U.S., yes. right? Um but for me, when I think about, like, what is colonization, aside from, like, the takeover of land and the takeover of people and all of that is really in terms of bringing an ideology. Yes. Right? It wasn't just themselves. It wasn't just themselves. They were, you know, the Spanish came and said, you indigenous people are less than human. Mm-hmm. You, your religion, your, your, you know, your not civilized society, all of these things are bad. And we're going to come and show you the right way. Mm-hmm. We are going to bring you Catholicism and we are going to bring you civilization. We're going to save you from yourselves, from being damned to hell. Mm-hmm. While also enslaving you mm-hmm. to do the labor mm-hmm. so that we can profit off of this land. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And raping. And ra- right. And rape and pillage and bring disease yeah. and bring Kill you them. food that is not, you know, mm-hmm. natural to your, you know, environment. Um, and a very similar story, you know, in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? The British mm-hmm. did the same thing. Um, and then, you know, again, super watered down version of this. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then at some point, you know, the Spanish established themselves in Mexico and then Mexico wants independence from Spain. And so that happens. And on the other side, the U.S. wants independence from uh, Britain. Yes. (laughs) And and anyway, so you have the U.S., you have Mexico. And at that time, you know, all the U.S. Southwest, what we now know as the U.S. Southwest, California, Nevada, 
Texas, New Mexico, all of that is part of Mexico. Mm -hmm. The U.S. says we want that territory. Mexican-American War happens. Mm -hmm. That ends with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, and they take over, you know, pretty much half of Mexico's land. Mm -hmm. And so overnight, you have people who were once in their home country of Mexico now in the U.S., US, (laughs) right? Um, so for me, when I think about like, so that's colonization in a nutshell, right? Mm -hmm. Like all this sort of takeover and bringing in ideology and marginalizing indigenous ideology. Um, and so I think, especially when we talk about motherhood and the way motherhood was constructed, um, it was always constructed through whiteness. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, um, that there were these these standards that you had to meet to like, you know, and these weren't, there was no rule book that said this is what you had to do. These are sort of just the un, what do they call, you know, just sort of social norms. Yeah. Right. And the idea was that, you know, to be a true woman, you had to be a mom and you had to love domestic work because that's always fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to be a religious person right in the eyes of god you know the christian god and um and you had to be sexually pure for Mm -hmm. whatever that meant right and we can go Mm -hmm. off on those (laughs) that's a different lesson that's that's another but motherhood was always like yeah like you had and and really it was about like once you become a mother that is your central identity Mm -hmm. right you are no longer anything else like that you are born to serve your children Mm -hmm. you are born to be a mother and this is the way it is but Mm -hmm. it was always really from this perspective of white middle to upper classness Mm -hmm. right because they had access to like focus on their children Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and you know even especially in the time of slavery they weren't considered you know, black women weren't considered women. They were considered less than human, right? Mm-hmm. They were slaves. They they couldn't even be mothers to their own children. Um, and yet were expected to kind of do that kind of mothering work for the white women. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um, bringing it back to like, how does, how does colonization continue to have an impact on us, right? It's that there's still these expectations of what it means to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Right, that are rooted in colonization, that are rooted in whiteness, mm-hmm. um, but that have been normalized yeah. so much that we don't even recognize them as being rooted in colonization and rooted in whiteness. Mm-hmm. Right, like we almost just like, yeah, this is what it means to be an American mom. Right, right. right. <clears throat> but because we are of, you know, Mexican American background, that also has you know, economic struggles, Mm -hmm. right? And obviously racial struggles. Um, There's, what I mean to say is that it would be easy to be a great mom if we had all the time in the world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And that that's all we had to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, historically, marginalized people have had to work. Right. Have had to spend a majority of their time just trying to survive, just trying to put food on their um, put food on their table. Yes. So it's almost a because uh, there's a pride. There's 
There's right. a pride in taking care of your kids right. and providing right. for them, right? Right, and not asking for a handout or whatever. Which right. Sometimes of immigrant families get painted with that brush. Right. Right. But it's like no, actually, there's they work pride. very hard. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what love meant. Right. In some in some way. No, like, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Love yeah. meant like taking care of your kids, and so it's just this weird dynamic of like you know, and then so then I think as generations, as um, the sort of product of all of that mm-hmm. generational colonization, um, I think at least for me, from my perspective, I have a lot of education, you know. And so I'm able to see things in a different way. And I'm like, oh, I want something different or I want something more. Mm-hmm. And I often kind of was like, why couldn't my mom give me what I needed? Or mm-hmm. why couldn't she not do this? Or why couldn't she not do this? It wasn't until I put the whole picture together, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like I knew the history. I knew how it impacted my family. But I didn't know how it impacted her parenting. Mm. I think that's a beautiful place for us to take a break. (laughs) We're going to let people digest everything we just talked about. And when we get back, we're going to get a little more specific and dive a little deeper into what your path and journey has been once you had all this clarity and understanding and and what it's meant. And so we'll be back, guys. We are back with Dr. Renee (laughs) to have the second half of this conversation. And so what I want to get into, because you kind of talked about it um, in your blog, was that that this new perspective that you're embracing, it's really helped you to heal your relationship with your mom Mm -hmm. using holistic approaches. Mm -hmm. So if you could share what that journey has been, what you have done, what have you learned, where are you at? So um, it's been a lot of, um, okay, so let me just say that I, last year I was working with a parenting coach actually. gonna okay her name is hunter clark fields Mm -hmm. she's also a yogi so she kind of integrates like yoga and mindfulness Mm -hmm. with like conscious parenting right so i was working with her really closely um and that's where i did a lot of the deep work of like let's look at your how you were parented Mm -hmm. and so uh so she would say okay what is you know tell me about your mom and what does she do? And they would always come back to like, gosh, she expects us to be clean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She expects us to be neat. And I have such a frustration with that because no matter how much I try to be that way, I am just not. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was a time when I felt like maybe I was failing as an adult. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was failing as a mother. Maybe I was failing as a daughter, like all of these things. Um, And then, uh, so she said, have you ever thought of why she wants things to be so neat? And I was like, I don't know, because she just, like, I didn't mm-hmm. even think to ask that question. Right. And um, it wasn't until, like, in the midst of, like, that coaching, and then one time my mom came over, and, you know, my, you, I mean, we're sitting in my, <laughs> in my yeah. dining room, yeah. looking into my my kitchen with dishes yeah. in the sink. Yeah. <laughs> That's how my house looks like all the time. <laughs> and my mom, she gets very, like that, you know, it kind of drives her nuts right, yeah. to see that. 
And I saw her walk into my house, and she immediately kind of saw the mess, and I could see her face. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see a face of disappointment. I saw a face of anxiety. Mm. And so this was in the midst of doing this work. And what I finally realized was because I know that I have in- I deal with anxiety. My mother deals with anxiety. My grandmother deals with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I realized that cleaning was her coping mechanism. Wow. I was like, oh, oh. And then I started to look back and see, like, when were the times that she yelled at me? Mm -hmm. When were the times that she got mad at me? Mm -hmm. When did she show most of her frustration? Mm -hmm. And, And usually she got mad at me if I didn't have a clean house or I didn't do these things. But then I had to be like, where did that come from? I was like, oh, maybe it's because she had a really long day at work. Mm-hmm. And she come, came home and it was a mess. And then she thought, you know, she never communicated this with me, right? right? But right. retrospectively, when I started doing this work of trying to understand why she had these expectations, it opened up a whole new world because I realized that she wasn't mad at me. Mm-hmm. She was mad at the situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She was, so, and for her, cleaning was her, her coping mechanism mechanism to do with her anxiety so that if she saw a mess it triggered her anxiety yes and i was like oh and it was it changed the dynamic of our relationship because i didn't take it personally anymore Mm -hmm. when she came into my house and said you have a mess because i was always (laughs) like yes mom but it's my house i'm disappointing you you know and 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 i never even said that i just was like uh you know Mm -hmm. and um and so now i feel like and because and i don't know if she's ever gonna hear this and i don't even know if she knows that i've done that right Mm -hmm. because it wasn't about her my journey is not about her Mm -hmm. she's on her own journey and wherever that goes that goes yeah but this is about me you know healing my and I can heal my relationship with her without even her being a part of that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So when I was able to recognize... But I think people get stuck there. Yes. It's like, oh my God, I have to bring my mom to therapy and I have to like fix yes. my mom. Yes. It's like, no, you have to let go that you're going to fix... Anyone. Anybody. But yourself. And you can only <laughs> fix your reaction mm-hmm. or how are you internalize whatever mm-hmm. the dynamic is. Yeah. So it, it really shifted so much because I was able to, whenever she... We, be, we would start to have any kind of bickering stuff. Mm-hmm. I was able to like, oh, you know what? She's probably having a bad day. And so I didn't mm-hmm. push back as much. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just kind of like, okay. And at the same time, you know, because it, it didn't also mean like, okay, I know my mom is coming from this place. Therefore, I should just let her yell at me all the time yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. At the same time, it made it easier for me to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, to say... Um, and these are really practical things, but yeah. like, so my mom, I love my mom. She does come and wash my dishes and she does come and do my laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes in her, like seeing a mess and her wanting to feel like she's helping me, mm-hmm. she'll want to clean my house. Yeah. And even though it looks messy, it's all about organized chaos. Like I yeah. know where things are. So yeah, it would be frustrating when I would come home and things were cleaned up, but I didn't know where anything was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really had to try to set boundaries around. So I knew, okay, I know she's cleaning because she thinks she's helping me because she's, it triggers her anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I had that. So I would let go of being mad at her for doing it. Right. But then I was also like, okay, mom, 
um, like when she would come and get my laundry, she would just pick up whatever's on the floor and it wasn't all dirty. So say, just whatever's in the, whatever's in the hamper, take it. If it's on the floor, you know, I'm not asking you to clean it up. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a really simple boundary to make, but it, I was only able to do that because I had let go of the idea that she was cleaning and that she was, she cleaned because she was judging thinking, you. Yeah. Judging me. Yeah. Judging. Yeah. I thought she was judging me. Yeah. And once I was able to let go of that, then I was able to set clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's trying to help me out. Let me tell you how you can really help right. me. Right. And that's, and, and I was be able to be more clear about that. Like yeah. I, and I would say, I know you're trying to help me, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's not helpful because I actually know where things are at. So if you want to help me, this is what you can do. Yes. And yeah. that's been, I think, even just game like... Changer. Game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Game yeah. changer. You know, and it doesn't mean that... You know, we still don't sometimes, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it, there's a much different reaction to it and it's a much mm-hmm. different internalization of it, right? Like you said, the mm-hmm. idea of emotional history where when she would get mad at me, I would internalize it as judgment. Mm-hmm. I would internalize it as like, you know, all these things that was on me. And so I was walking around with this resentment, Yeah, you know, and I was like, how could I ever release that, you know? And yeah. so when I, when I finally was able to click on and ask these questions of do sort of investigating on why she's doing this. And I don't even know if that is why, right? That's just sort of my no. perception of it. Yeah, but that's, yeah. But that's what, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it helped Right? You. And so it helped me. And then I was able to kind of like let go mm-hmm. of that resentment. Yeah. And be like, okay, I get it. I get why. I get where it comes from. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it personal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have other, like, or did you do, like, any other, or do you have any other holistic practices that you do? You do, do yeah. You, you did the parent coaching. I did parent coaching, and a huge part of that is meditation. Okay. And a daily practice, like, not just once in a while, like, a daily practice, so every day, so, when do you meditate, so, I have to teach Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m., you told me that, okay, and I have to be at Cal, I live in Long Beach, I have to be at Cal State LA in my classroom at 8 Mm a.m., so I wake up at 5 to meditate, how long do you meditate, and it's (laughs) ranges, any, like, and sometimes I hit the snooze, so I'm, like, 520, so I'm, like, okay, and it just depends, so, um, and I've, I've really made it really simple, so there's this app on my phone, it's called Insight Timer, Mm -hmm. and they have, you can either set a timer, or you can, um, they have, like, guided meditation, and really, anywhere from three minutes to maybe ten minutes, and just Mm -hmm. depends on how much time I feel like I have, or, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm running late, three minutes, right? Yeah. Or like sometimes I'm up earlier, I'm like, you know, I have, a, I have more time. I can do a big 10-minute one, right? A big 10-minute <laughs> one. But re- like, you know, yeah. and the thing about meditation is that it is a practice. And it's like, there's a lot of people want to go and be like, oh, I'm going to meditate every day for 20 minutes. Yeah. <sighs> That's not yeah, sustainable. Yeah. You, you know, don't, don't set these like high goals. Three minutes. There are sometimes it's three minutes. Well, I think two is all you need. <laughs> two is really, two, two really, is really makes a difference. Yeah, two. two ma- and if you could do it every, and I don't do it every day, but I try to do at least four to five days a week. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least, especially the days that I work, you know, the other days that I don't work, it's hard because the kids, although I do um, meditate with the kids around and they know what that is. And so... Mm-hmm sometimes they'll come and sit with me nice. and they yeah. recognize, you know, the ritual around that. But that's, that's also made 
a huge difference, you know, mm-hmm. just to kind of and center you. Yeah, center me for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Any other any other practices? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I know you sage before I came in. Yes, I definitely did sage. Sages, my kids love that part of the meditation. Yeah, they're like, "Can I light the sage?" I know my daughter <laughs> likes it. My, you know, my son, he's like, oh, "I don't like the smell." Oh, it's so <laughs> weird, my right? kids love it. Um, so the other thing that I will say that has been made a huge difference, in, especially in terms of Okay, so trying to heal my relationship with my mom. But then, really, the whole purpose of that was to be able to be a better mother to my children. Yes. Right? So, um, in this parenting coaching that I did, um, I read the book, uh, Parenting Effectiveness Training, okay. P-E-T. Mm-hmm. And in that is has, like, like real-world, like, scripts. <laughs> just like, tell me what to say if this happens right and it's sort of like fill in the blanks okay right so a big part of that script is like if there is a behavior or something that they're doing that you want them to stop doing mm-hmm. right so for example like if my son is jumping on the couch so the script would be something like naming the behavior when you jump on the couch and then you have to name a feeling mm-hmm. it, makes it makes me, me feel <laughs> like this and then what the consequence yeah. of that is mm-hmm. right it makes me feel so when you jump on the couch, it makes me feel anxious, and then I can't sit here and enjoy our time together. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you're just not supposed to do anything, which is right. the hardest part. Right. Of it. And then you just let go. <laughs> and then you're supposed to just be like hoping yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that'll make a difference. Right? right. And if not, then you have to like repeat it mm-hmm. and repeat it. Right? Um, so, and that's not always easy, but that was not a skill I had before. That was not a skill that I learned from my mother. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a skill that I really had to, and continuing to learn. Um, And, um, and it's, you know, it's a work in progress. (laughs) But yeah, but that's been huge to at least, you know, have, and that's what parenting coaching did for me was like give me these practical skills or at least point me in the direction like that book. Okay. You know, um, because even now, if I have friends, I'm like, oh, my God, you got to read this book. Mm-hmm. That's your go-to. <laughs> yeah. Baby shower. Here you go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that was, and so it was, yeah, it's this kind of multidimensional work of healing my my expectations of my mom mm-hmm. and also my expectations of my kids, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to, like, you know, yeah. Pass that on. Pass that on. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for allowing me to come oh, into your space, you. for having this conversation with me. Um, where can people find you okay. if they want to find you? So and- I do have a website. It's Renee, R-E-N-E-E, dash Elisaldez, E-L-I-S-A-L-D-E-Z.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I... I also am a certified yoga instructor. Look at you. <laughs> so I do, I am available for private sessions. Um, I, I do want to sort of make myself more available for like guest speaking stuff, you know, mm-hmm. kind of using my academic knowledge mm-hmm. outside of the university. I feel yeah. like so much of that is stuck in the university. So I'm trying to like Let's open myself up to other opportunities. Um, so yeah, so Renee-Elisaldes.com. I'm also, like you said, a board member of the Latina Mothers Collaborative. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can follow us on Instagram at Latina Mothers Collaborative. And quick plug. Yes. <laughs> plug so, it. So we are a group of Latina moms um, 
many of us are in Long Beach and the surrounding areas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we came together as a group really to, many of us are like different business owners and professionals. And we mm -hmm. really wanted to come together really to support each other in our businesses, mm -hmm. but also because we feel like we have access to um, a knowledge base and information that mm -hmm. sometimes is not always easily accessible to the Latino community in right. particular. Mm -hmm. So we really wanted to... Um, be a, or create space to share the information that we've gained in our education with others. So we've been putting on events, um, different events we've had in the past, events around like breastfeeding, events around bilingual education. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be having a play date. I got to check my calendar when it is. Um, we're going to be having a play date in Long Beach, um, April, I think it's April 14th I could be wrong I think it's April 14th mm-hmm no April 7th <laughs> April 7th April 7th we're gonna be having a play date in Long Beach it's really just to, for moms to come and get to know each other but we are also gonna be planning an event for May-ish um, where um, one of our fellow board members um, Dr. Christina Rose she's also an academic mm -hmm. we're gonna be putting on an event around feminism and um, reproductive justice, body literacy, fertility awareness kind of stuff. Um, but you can find all of that at our website, latinamotherscollaborative.com. Awesome. <laughs> so we'll probably be releasing this episode. I think we might be in May, so we might okay. not hit the April, but certainly okay. I will plug in. And by then, you'll have the date for the um, event. Yes. And yes. I'll definitely link to it and add it in the post notes. So cool. thanks so much, Dr. Renee. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Oh my goodness, guys. So what did you think of this episode with Dr. Renee? I mean, I hope that it has left you with a lot of gems. Um, I was so happy and I, and I really meant it when I said that I had been waiting for her. I had been waiting for um, someone like her, for her to come into um, into my life so that we could have this conversation. Um, and so that I could share some of this information that I know that for myself, I've, I've known it, I've, um, actually used, you know, the information that she was talking about to really understand my own mother and, um, and releasing those, the, those kinds of expectations that, um, that somehow she was going to mother me in a different way. It's like, how could she mother me in a different way when that was not the way that she was mothered, right? And and to see um, her mothering for all of its strengths and all the things that she did give me. And and I mean this truly and deeply for, for all of us whose parents immigrated um, to this country, right? That that I really believe that they came to this country so that we could have a better life. And that part of that means that I'm going to parent better, right? Or um, I hate to use that word of like better, but but that we're going to parent differently, right? Because Because that's the result of their sacrifice. If I don't parent differently, then it's 
It's like you came here and it was a waste, right? If if I don't do this 10 times better, right? Um, or, or that I'm, I don't know, just somehow um, doing this in a more conscious way, right? And, and I'm probably botching this all up um, in a way that maybe makes it sound like um, I don't have like the utmost respect for my mother and my father and the way that, and the life that they gave me, because that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I'm just saying that, you know, the fact that you're listening and that you're here and that you're on this journey, it means that, that you're really trying to maximize the kind of parent that you can be. And that is, like I said, it's just, it, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a privilege. It's a privilege that we have um, because of all of the sacrifices that, that our parents made, right? And, and to do it this way is to honor them. Believe me, is sometimes I know my parents, you know, they will look at how I parent and they're like, really, you're going to do it like that? And they look at us like, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're going to spoil those kids and all these things, right? But, you know, we, I understand where those thoughts are coming from for them. Um, but the truth is that I know I know um, on a deeper level that that I get to do this because of everything that you sacrificed for me. So with that note, um, I want to share with you a couple of the things uh, that Dr. Renee is doing, because as you probably noticed, most of the events that she talked about with the Latina Mothers Collaborative, they already passed because we actually recorded this back in March. Um, so I, I do want to give you guys a little update on her. She is actually, um, starting to do private yoga sessions in the Long Beach LA, LA area. So follow her on Instagram because she's also going to be announcing the launch of a Patreon site next week. And she's going to be, um, doing some fun stuff over there, offering some cool things, including tarot readings and recorded meditation and yoga videos and stuff like that. So, you know, make sure to follow her so that um, you can participate in some of these fun activities if you're in the Long Beach LA area. I'm going to leave you with a quote from her blog and I swear this will be the end of it. And this will be the the end of the information we'll be sharing. But I really want to share this because it really touched me when I read her blog, this passage. It's a little bit long, maybe. But I swear to you, it it really summarizes the the whole conversation and will hopefully leave you um, <clears throat> leave you with I don't know another another gem. Uh, so so here goes and and we'll catch you at, on the next episode. She says, "My mother wanted me to be able to survive in the world without her. She always made clear I need to prepare for adulthood, which included being able to cook for myself, to keep an organized home, to be aware of the potential dangers of the world, to be strong and stand up for myself. Pretty much the qualities in life one would need to survive. Great qualities anyone would need, but compassion, empathy, vulnerability, emotional literacy were not always on that list. I realize now that my resentment comes from the lack of these softer qualities I so desperately craved and still crave from my mother. I know, they get me. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to keep going. This is not to say 
that she did not have any of these qualities. It is to say they were not as emphasized as necessary to survive as an adult. And yet, I know her inability, inability to fully express compassion, empathy, vulnerability, and emotion is not her fault. It really is no one's fault. It is a result of systematic patriarchy, white supremacy, and colonization that constructed motherhood through the lens of whiteness and elitism. So there you have it, guys. I leave you with that. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Have a great one. Ciao. Hi. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and please leave a review. It is a super, super important in order to help spread the message. You can follow us, our parents on Instagram at iam.isenia at palomenchaka and at somos.barthes. You can also subscribe to their newsletter on their website at somos-barthes.com. Gracias! Gracias.